Baseball Money is Fake on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by our Patreon. Score exclusive perks, content, and contests, including our NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 prize. Join today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by Parlay Play. Parlay Play is a lead pipe locking for parlaying player props. Go to parlayplay.io and use promo code SGP for 100% deposit bonus today. Welcome to Baseball Money is Fake, a fantasy baseball podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am Blake Meyer, back again for Thursday. Couldn't be happier. I love recording this podcast. And as always, I am here with my man, Ryan Gilbert. How are you doing today, Ryan? I am doing fantastic. Thursday night, going into the Friday, going into the weekend. And of course, the Phillies. The Phillies. Michael Lorenzen, no hitter in his first start at Cincinnati Park after throwing eight shutout innings or eight one-run innings in, in Miami in his first start. The Castellanos, two home runs to reach 200 for his career. Uh, that, that guy, Wilson Weston, hitting the home run in his first major league at bat. Just a, a great time for the Phillies and a great time for, for your Mariners, too. Absolutely. And Michael Lorenzen has been so hot. I think this is his seventh start now where he's given up one or fewer runs. And I've been peeking at some some talks. It sounds like coming into the game, Lorenzen had told somebody that he's been tweaking his change up a little bit recently. Uh, and in this last start, he got a higher release on his change up. Which caused it to it dropped like an extra inch or two. And it was going about a mile per hour less. And it became like a very unhittable. He had like a 44% whiff rate on the changeup in this last start. So we'll, we'll have to see if that's something that continues from this point on. Or if it was just kind of like sometimes when you're on, you're on. But that's back-to-back good starts for Lorenzen mm-hmm. for the Phillies. So he was already somebody we talked about earlier in the year. I think he's, well, I mean, now that he's thrown in a... Oh, hater, he's uh, rostered too much to be considered a streaming option. But for a while there, he was one of our guys that we did consider a uh, like a slight step above a streaming option. Like, you're not going to start him in every matchup, but you don't really want to drop him, pick him up, ride him out. And yeah, Castellanos has been so hot. The Mariners have been so hot. Big dumper with the fucking massive two-run home run yesterday that the swing and everything looked almost identical to his home run that sent him to the, the playoffs last year, that game-winning home run. And he hit it like 450 feet. I love me some Mariners. And now we're, we've won seven in a row, won nine of our last ten. I think they've won nine of their last uh, 11 series, dating back to before the All-Star break. So we're hot right now. There's a legitimate chance the Mariners could actually make the playoffs now. Yeah, you guys are one and a half back of Toronto. I, I don't see Tampa or Houston falling. Like, I, I guess I could see Toronto falling and seeing Seattle going one and a half, making up those one and a half games. That's why, like, at the trade deadline, everyone's like, oh, we got to sell. They're not going to make it. There's still two months left in the season. Like, you, you, you can't mm-hmm. just look at the games before the trade deadline or even the week or two before the trade deadline and be like, oh, no, we're out of it. We should just sell. This is why they kept the Oscar. This is why they didn't really pull any big moves besides what you traded away. You DFA'd Wong, you traded away Pollock, who was doing awful anyway. And so, and, well, Seawall was, was, was a big trade, but I mean, Munoz yeah. and Matt, Matt Brash, I picked up. He he had a hold the other day, he got a win last night, maybe or two nights ago. So, yeah, he, mm-hmm. he's been incredible in the bullpen. 
Dude, Matt Brash has one more win this year than Luis Castillo does. He's got eight. Luis Castillo's got seven wins, which is nuts. Wow. Uh, I was uh, fucking around looking at stuff on Fangraphs earlier, as I tend to find myself doing when I get bored. Um, and I looked back to last year. It was uh, July 8th when the Mariners called Matt Brash back up uh, and turned him into a full-time reliever. And from July 8th of 2022 until now, I think he's, uh, I'm trying to remember the numbers. It was like uh, 80 and a third innings he's pitched. He struck out like 130 in that time or in that frame. I had a 2.8 ERA uh, strikeout rates like 37%, which is crazy for like an entire calendar year to have a 37% strikeout rate is nuts. He's got a 14 K nine. He's so good. And I know I talk about him a lot on here and I know he is just still essentially a setup man at this point for Seattle. He doesn't have a ton of fantasy relevance, but in hold holds leagues. He does. He's just mm-hmm. so good. So good with the strikeouts. I know some people play in a league to have K nine as a category. He's yeah. elite there too so there is some there's some utility for a guy like matt brash and i mean i'm just looking for an excuse to talk about mariners which isn't usually hard for me to do so whenever i can talk about one that i don't think gets enough public recognition i'm gonna take the chance at that just some uh quick math there on since his call up last year plus this year uh 80 and a third innings 25 earned runs uh 125 strikeouts so yeah he's been Pretty incredible. That is a calculating array, two point eight one ERA with a case per nine of what, almost almost twelve there. So yeah, he's he's been incredible, and yeah, I think he, I guess, probably is the closer of the future there in, in Seattle. Yeah, uh, and I mean, the Mariners pitching itself. I was trying to figure out. There's so many Mariners things to talk about. I just. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, just the Mariners in itself, they have gotten so good at developing pitching. Uh, Emerson Hancock yeah. got called up yesterday. Uh, pitched, was it five and a third or five and two thirds? Gave up two hits, walked three, struck out three. Gave up a weird run. Uh, he walked Hassan Kim, and then Hassan Kim stole second and stole third. Yeah. And then whoever was Soto or whatever hit like a weird dribbler t- to the pitcher. And instead of throwing it home, Emerson Hancock just threw it to first base. Kind of an odd play, but it's still an earned run either way. Uh, but that was actually the fourth Mariners rookie this year to pitch at least five innings and give up two hits or fewer in a game. Uh, Bryce Miller's done it four times. Emerson Hancock has now done it. Uh, Brian Wu did it. And then, uh, God, what was the other dude's name? Uh, Easton McGee. We'll talk about Easton McGee actually threw a six inning no hitter in his only start this year. And then he, I think he's had a leave for Tommy John surgery, which sucks. But when it comes to developing pitchers, the Mariners have been ridiculous. Uh, Jeff Passan said yesterday, on, I, I think he said it in a, like in an interview, but somebody tweeted out his quote uh, and it was the Mariners between Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, Emerson Hancock. They have essentially drafted, developed, and promoted an entire pitching staff that is the best pitching staff in baseball, essentially. Obviously, add Luis Castillo on top of that as the ace. But even if you take Luis Castillo out, 
that's absurd. Teams don't do that. If if you can draft, develop, and promote like three good pitchers to your team, that's really good. The Mariners literally did it with an entire starting. I yeah. Well, I mean, you just got you got Lorenzen. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> homegrown. Uh, Andrew Painter in 2025 or whatever. Yeah. Painter McGriff Nola. Nola's the only homegrown pitcher since fucking Cole Hamels, and and everyone's ready to run him out of town when he kills the vibes tonight after last night's no hitter. <laughs> but yeah, I was just going to say I was looking up. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh yeah, but I'm saying with, with with Hancock, we talked about him a lot a lot last episode, like speculating what might happen with him. Do you think he's going to stay in the rotation when Wu comes back? Because like I, I'm reading that Wu is probably going to miss like one more start, which means Hancock will get you know a Monday start against Kansas City, which should be a good matchup. Mm-hmm. But then Wu could be back for that Saturday against her uh, in Houston. Um, I mean, Hancock is probably a great pickup for Monday at the very least. Should get a win there, I would hope. But um, how are you handling him? How do you expect the Mariners to handle him moving forward? I think Hancock stays in the rotation for the rest of the year. I think Wu might make another start or two, but I think Wu gets transitioned to the bullpen for the rest of the year. He's not going to be like Matt Brash last year. When Matt Brash came up, they really wanted him to be a starter, and then they just were like, you know what, you just, you're just going to be a really good bullpen guy, and you're going to stay there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wu... I think this year he's already pitched more innings than he had his in his entire pitching career combined or something like it's very close to that. He's like way over his innings limit and they were trying to find ways to shut him down for the rest of the year. So I don't think they're going to send uh, Emerson Hancock back down once he gets called up. I think Emerson Hancock has value for the rest of the year, especially after yesterday's game. He did exactly what we talked about yesterday before his start. Uh, we thought he was going to do. He pounded the strike zone. Very sinker heavy, uh, sinker heavy, and that cutter, which is like a weird, it's like a cutter, but a slider at the same time. But uh, baseball savant uh, classifies it as a cutter, and then he makes the change up in also, which is beautiful. He has a curveball, I think he threw his curveball a handful of times. It's a good pitch, he just doesn't have a very good feel for it. But yeah, he's he's got the ability to get a ton of ground outs, he doesn't have the same strikeout ability that Brian Wu or Bryce Miller has. He is very much a pitch-to-contact type of pitcher. But uh, guys that have like a good sinker or a good splitter, just that kind of pitch that they rely heavily on, like a like a Framber Valdez, uh, like a Kevin Gossman, guys like that, like you can have that be your pitch, and you can be a big pitch-to-contact guy while also getting some strikeouts. Gossman's more of a strikeout pitcher. Valdez is very much a pitch-to-contact guy, mm-hmm. and he gets a ton of ground outs, ground into double plays. That's... I'm not saying Emerson Hancock is going to be like the future ace of anybody's team. His ceiling is probably a number three pitcher. Uh, number three, he'll settle in. as like the team's number four. But there, there's a lot of value there, especially on a team that is on a roll like Seattle is. He can, he can work his way into some wins. And ground ball pitchers pitch more innings too, which helps. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, we are brought to you by the Sports Ground Podcast Patreon. Sign up for the Patreon to get access to exclusive contests, including the NFL to win totals contest with a $1,000 first place prize. Besides season-long contests, we also have weekly contests just for the patrons, plus a monthly SGP Stories podcast, completely ad-free and full of behind-the-scenes info from SGPN. There's even a Discord channel just for patrons. Only you can prevent corporate gambling. Do your part and sign up today. Sportscomingpodcast.com slash Patreon. That's sportscomingpodcast.com slash Patreon. 
All right, so Hancock's second start potentially next week would come against the Houston Astros. Houston Astros are, are, are heating up, and one man in particular that I want to highlight here is Jose Altuve. If you can trade for him now, do it. He, he since coming back on July twenty sixth, July twenty sixth, he went over three. Since then, he has an eleven game hit streak, uh, mul- multiple hits in or twelve game hit streak. Now I think he went four for five today with a home run. So, mm-hmm. uh, but but before today, he was. 17 for 45, hitting 378 in that span. Two home runs in 11 games. Had another one, so three home runs in his last 12 games. And if you look at his at his season stats, he now has nine home runs in 45 games. That's on pace for over 30. He's hitting close to 300. Altuve is someone that, you know, he's, as long as he can stay healthy, which it looks like he is now, I think he's going to be someone to watch the rest of the way. So, I mean, if you can try to still buy him low if you can, I would go out and try to do that, but I would not blame anyone to to not sell it sell him at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm in the camp of I have him in my home league, and I am so happy with him. It was that that wild trade I made back in May, which I don't even know who won. I traded uh, Manny Machado and Mookie Betts, and I got Bryce Harper and Jose Altuve, which just feels like a wash to me at this point. Uh, but Altuve, that home run that he hit today was dead center. Like it was a big home run, like for a guy that's like five foot one, okay. 140 pounds soaking wet to be able to hit it out to dead center. That's pretty impressive. I know I should on him a lot because I hate how low his average exit velocity is. I hate that he's like a very short, very little pole hitting fly ball hitter. It shouldn't work in theory, but for whatever reason, Altuve just continues to do it. He has the highest barrel rate of his career right now at 8.1%. Which is crazy. He's like 34. And so all of a sudden, you have the highest barrel rate of your career. You're making the best quality of contact of your career. I think his average exit velocity is like 88 miles an hour, which is mm-hmm. way higher than like his normal 85 miles an hour. Uh, his expected batting average, I think, is about 40 points lower than his current batting average. is about 250. So we'll have to see if that kind of levels itself out as we go. But... He's at the point now, he's so hot right now that he's worth whatever price you have to pay to get him, I think. Like, if you need a second baseman, he's gotten past the injuries. You don't have to worry about that anymore. The previous person that rostered him was the person that had to deal with that burden throughout the year. This is the Jose Altuve that everybody wanted at the beginning of the year now. So, yeah, whatever. if you need an upgrade at second base and you want to go all in, whether that be to try and make the playoffs or to solidify your roster for a championship run, mm-hmm. Altuve is worth every single penny, which sounds crazy to say, but he did have a little stretch there where he wasn't doing a whole lot, and then the injuries nonstop. So, yeah, yeah it, get Altuve if you can, or at least put a feeler out yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. Someone else I want to highlight is uh, Nolan Jones of the Colorado Rockies. He was he was hot when he came up, up back back in May. We talked about him a little bit. Cooled off a little bit, but he's hot here again in August. Uh, since August 2nd, so over the past week, he is 9 for 25 with two home runs, three doubles, uh, OPS of 1.13. And, yeah, he plays at course Field, but six of those seven games were on the road, including the two-home run game in Milwaukee on Tuesday. I think Jones, I was looking at him last night. He's going to be someone that, like, at the end of the year, we're going to look back, he's going to have, like, 20, 25 home runs. we be like, oh. We just completely mm-hmm. overlooked this guy, and he's going to be someone like one of those outfield options you're looking at either 
to pick up now for the rest of the season or heading into next season, you know, going to be one of those mid-tier guys that could potentially break out? Yeah, uh, he is one of those weird under-the-radar guys where we talk about guys that play for Colorado so much and that Coors field effect. And we do target that with guys. That's part of the reason why I loved Zeke Tovar coming into the year. Tovar hasn't really panned out that much, although he's been playing much better lately. But Nolan Jones has legitimate power. And getting a an outfielder that has like real legitimate plays in all fields power that also just so happens to play half of his games every year at Coors Field, that is a fantasy asset that needs to be paid more attention to. Uh, I know he gets platooned every once in a while, so he does miss some games. But in his last 19 games, uh, dating back to like mid-July, he has a 92-mile-an-hour average exit velocity and a 19% barrel rate. So his quality of contact is very high. He strikes out a lot, over 30%, not great. But he's got a little speed, so his BABIP is a little higher. Uh, having some speed does help with your BABIP. And he hits a decent amount of line drives as well, which helps with your BABIP. So it's about 350, and he's sitting about 270 in that time frame. But yeah, he's got multiple home runs over 470 feet this year. One of the only players in baseball to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he is one of the those guys. Yeah, we're going to look back, and he's going to have like 25 home runs. Like you said, it's going to be like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> oh, uh, my question for you, though, with Nolan Jones is then in like a keeper league, how do you value him? Is he somebody that you consider as a keeper for next year? In let's let's just say uh, his strike rate sucks, so not a points league. So maybe like a, a category, a twelve-team category league. You got him in the the seventeenth round. Probably, probably not. Depends on your league type. Depends on how many keepers you have and whatnot. But I mean, unless he goes off this this last month, I don't think I would think that highly of him going into next year. But yeah, he he would be on my radar. Also, I wanted to point out that in week 23, which I believe is the semifinal in, in my my main league, um, the Rockies are home every single day, Monday to Sunday, Ooh. three against the Cubs, four against the Giants, all at Coors Field. So if you're looking ahead to that, looking ahead to the playoffs, and you have a, have some bench room there, pick up Jones, pick up some other Rockies, and uh, just, just wait it out. Uh, somebody I want to ask you about, just throwing random people out there, yeah, this is the second straight day that Felix Batista has given up a run. Do you have any worries about him with a little fatigue moving forward? Do you do you think this is just like oh he's he's played Houston and was out there? I mean, he got the save today. He, he pitched an inning, gave up a run, walked two, didn't strike out any. Uh, and yesterday, the day before we record this, uh, he gave up four runs. I think he gave up that grand slam to. Kyle Tucker, mm-hmm. are you? Do you have any concerns about arm fatigue for Batista going forward, or do you think this is just a nobody's perfect? He gave up a couple runs to a good team scenario. I think it's a little bit of both, but but more so just the fact that he's given up given up uh, runs to good teams. Um, trying to look at, yeah, the Grand Slam wasn't great. Gave up a, a run today. I'm assuming you said, but before that, he hadn't given up a run since June 24th. So if he gives up gives up a few runs you know once every once every few months that, that, that's not too bad but yeah i was reading someone on twitter was talking about how you know, the orioles don't have a great like starting staff but their bullpen era is good but their bullpen era is good because of batista 
because of Cano. And then like outside of them, they have Mike, Mike Ballman, who's a 3.65 ERA, Brian Baker, 3.64 ERA, Danny, Danny Columba, 2.77, uh, Seattle's favorite Cole Irvin, 5.44 ERA. So yeah, it's, uh, it's Batista there. I think the Orioles, they're a fun team, but I think they're going to be one to fade either. I don't know if they're going to end up missing the playoffs. I don't know if that's a possibility, but the, the AL East is tough and they are a team that, you know, could could fall victim to that, that fatigue in, in September. Uh, and I know uh, talking about Batista, I mentioned Houston. There is one Houston pitcher uh, that I think we should discuss a little bit. Um, I'd have to check his roster rate to see where it's at right now. Uh, but somebody that I was admittedly very high on coming into the season, Christian Javier for the Houston Astros. Uh, I actually <laughs> put a future on him to win. The AL Cy Young, and that's not going very well. He has had a weird year. Uh, if you go back to June 9th, uh, 10 starts. So his last 10 starts, he's 1-1 one one with 38 strikeouts in 48 innings and 25 walks with a 6.56 ERA, and his XFIP is 6.53. So he's not getting unlucky. He's not any of that. He is just all out not been good his strikeout rate is 17.4 percent his walk rate is 11.4 percent that is good for a k minus walk rate of 5.9 percent an okay k minus walk rate is about 15 percent like that's like a like serviceable his isn't even to six percent this is a guy that everybody drafted uh in the fifth round pretty much i think was his adp coming into this year because i drafted him in every league so i'm a little bitter uh but at this point with a lot of people being in the playoff hunt uh he's going to be rostered by a lot of people still yeah. he's still 91 percent rostered on espn is he rosterable for the rest of the year or does he become somebody you would consider dropping Come on, Blake. He's ninety-three percent <laughs> rostered. It's Christian Javier. It's it's an Astros pitcher. You 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 can't drop him. Anyone that's like rostered in ninety percent of leagues or more, I just absolutely would not drop. And I, I was trying to look at like what could be could be causing it. I was looking at maybe this was like something that he had a history of, but no. Last season he was just he was lights out in, in the second half. Uh, in the second half, he was five and four with a one point seven nine ERA. Uh, 82 strikeouts in 70 innings. But yeah, you said it. Th- this he has not been himself at all this this year. I mean, the first few months he had he had pretty much good run, good good starts, but he's only allowed no earned runs in one start this season, which which I think he did multiple times. Um, if I'm looking at at his last season game log here, he's just been been struggling through starts. Five innings, mm-hmm. two earned. Five innings, three walks, two earned. Four and two thirds, three walks, three earned. Six for an six three earned five and two thirds two earned five runs five innings three earned like he's giving up runs no matter who he's facing and it's tough i mean he's had a, had a bit of a tough go orioles yankees rays but he, he walked six athletics in five and two thirds innings he's been very up and down and, and more so down than up but he, he can't be he's not droppable maybe you know put him on the bench if you don't like the matchup but looking at Looking at his next matchup, I think it's going to be uh, in Miami next Tuesday. So he could potentially be a two a two start pitcher. They're off Thursday, but Javier, I'm not going to drop him. 
you know, he's because you'll drop him and then he'll he'll bounce back for the playoffs. But you know, maybe maybe throw him on the bench for for a start or two if if that's what you have to do. I'm getting very close to being in the drop him camp, regardless of his roster rate. I think right now, I I flat out don't want him on my roster. Like I I've been actively trying to trade him. I genuinely think he will be better off on somebody else's roster than your own. But who who are you? Who would you look to pick up in place of him? Like who who are some pitchers on the waiver wire that you would you would look for? Uh oh. While while you're thinking about that, uh, make sure you check out Parlay Play, or brought to you by Parlay Play. Parlay Play is a great way to get down on your favorite Parlay Player props. Football season right around the corner, and Parlay Play will have all your favorite props. It's available in a ton of states, including including California and Texas. Plus, our good friends up north, Parlay Play is available in a bunch of provinces in Canada. And when you sign up with our code, you get a sweet bonus to get started. So head over to parlayplay.io and use promo code SGP for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's parlayplay.io, promo code SGP. Uh, first person I would like to pick up over him, I would take uh, Tariq Skubal. Flat out, I love Tariq, Tariq Skubal for the okay. Tigers. He's ramping up more uh, more pitches per outing. He's had a, a, like three of his last four starts have been pretty good. 45% roster on Yahoo, 19% on ESPN. And I have to check G-Rod's roster rate on Yahoo. Uh, I think it's close to 60, I want to say. Um, is it? That's one 53, of the really 53, big. yeah. I, I would even consider that. 17% on ESPN. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez has been pitching very well since he came back up also. So I would also take him over Christian Javier easily That's... for the rest of the year. I just... It's one of those things when a pitcher struggles like this, um, you want to pinpoint where he's struggling or like see that he is pinpointed where he's struggling and be able to make the mechanical fixes or whatnot to be able to uh, improve on them throughout the year and then see him like slowly progress and get better, have better starts, better quality outings, that sort of thing. He is doing the opposite. He is seemingly spiraling. At this point, I mean, through four innings yesterday, I think he threw 93 pitches. I'm I'm amazed that he made it through a fifth inning because through four, he had thrown 93 pitches. So I I don't have a lot of faith left in Christian Javier, and that is coming from somebody that put literal, real shroot bucks on him to win the AL Cy Young this year. So um, he's not doing anything to try and get better. And I honestly think it is the exact same thing as Alec Manoa. The difference is Alec Manoa started out the year like that and it got all the attention. Christian Javier is ending the year like that and it is getting none of the attention. So move him if you can move him. Bench him if you want to bench him. I am probably right now a week away from just flat out dropping him if I can find a suitable replacement. He still allowed three earned runs or less in 17 of 22 starts. So, and he's still for the Astros. He's still going to get a, a lot of wins. So, I, I would still take him over Scooble, for, especially because Scooble's pitching for a team that was probably not going to get many wins. G Rod has been pitching better, but I, I still take Javier over him. Okay. Let's transition to some weekend pitching. We're saying weekend, but we're recording this on Thursday. Shout out to everybody in the live that is checking it out right now. Shout out to everybody on Apple, Spotify, 
wherever else you listen to on your streaming platforms, y'all are getting this on. Well, I mean, technically, you if you're like a diehard, you might be checking this out on like Thursday evening. Uh, but most likely it's Friday. Uh, we figured we'd start with some Friday pitching and then talk about some of the matchups that we like. Uh, so, Ryan, who is probably your favorite streaming option for Friday? I'm just looking at looking at who might be available. Um, you know what? I'm going to stick with, stick with my Phillies. Uh, Christopher Sanchez. He's going to be at mm. home against the Minnesota Twins. Dallas Keuchel, I believe, is starting. Uh, Sanchez got beat up a little bit in his last time out, but I think his start before that, he threw five no-hit innings. He's been very consistent for for the Phillies this season. I'm shocked to see he doesn't have a win yet this year, so hopefully uh, he can get that. He is only rostered in 30% of Yahoo League, so that's kind of what, what I try to look for. I also don't hate Rockies pitcher Austin Gomber. He's uh, going to be in San Diego, so he's on the road. He's had a few straight quality starts. He's only rostered in 11% of Yahoo League. So Rockies pitchers are, are tough, but and I mean, the Dodgers are tough, especially against left-handed pitchers, but I think he's been somebody that has proven to be you know, a reliable streaming option over the past few weeks. Uh, I like that one a lot, especially Gomber, somebody that he's had a weird career. He's very hittable for a long time, but now this year he's actually stringing together some starts that are like usable in fantasy and he's not rostered in very many leagues. So I like that one a lot. Uh, I think my favorite for Friday would be Paul Blackburn for the Oakland athletics. It is weird to target an Oakland A's pitcher, the worst team in baseball. Uh, but I mean, he is facing the Washington nationals who are a beatable team and he's thrown together a couple good games as well. Uh, his last two outings both went six innings. Uh, he gave up no runs, Three walks, seven strikeouts against the Giants. And then he gave up two earned runs and seven Ks against Colorado. If you look at his baseball savant page, his average exit velocity is in the 94th percentile. Hard hit rates in the 95th percentile. Barrel rates in the 85th percentile. And chase rate is in the 83rd percentile. He actually has a pretty effective pitch mix. Oakland Athletics aside, uh, this year he is just pounding that sinker. 22% of the time, but he throws five different pitches, at least 11%. And they've got decent whiff rates too. Uh, his sliders at 35% change up 37 curveball 27. The nationals don't strike out a ton, but they are like the lightest hitting team in baseball. So they just single you to death, which a team like Oakland can actually beat a team that does that because Oakland actually has some decent power bats in their lineup. So I think he could be in line for a win. I think he's easily in line for a quality start. Uh, and when I checked, he was about 10% rostered. So Paul Blackburn is an excellent choice for Friday. Yeah, and looking ahead to uh, Saturday here, I'm not going to mention who, who you want to mention because I also think he's, he's a fantastic <laughs> option. But uh, only 20% rostered at Houston, so it, it may be tough here. But Tyler Anderson of the uh, Los Angeles Angels over his past five starts. He is only one and one but... Um, 11 earned runs in 29 innings, 26 strikeouts, 11 walks, 3.34 ERA. He's uh he's had had a had a few decent starts. Hasn't given up more than four earned runs since June 2nd. That was what six or seven or eight starts ago. So yeah, I think Anderson. It's a tough matchup uh, there for Houston, but you know you, you got to have tough matchups, and if you're streaming and you know, 20% rostered, 
Waters there. So I think Anderson might be overlooked, especially given his recent stretch of, of pitching. He has been very overlooked. Um, the person that I would like to talk about is Mr. Reagans out in Kansas City. Uh, he has been the talk of the town lately. Cole Reagans, if you would like his his government name. Uh, in his last two outings, I think he has 19 strikeouts in his last two outings. Uh, Kansas City did. I mean, we talked about it a lot at the beginning of the season. They did get the new pitching coach uh, that was working on different pitches and things with their pitchers. Guys like Brady Singer came out this year and have actually strung together like decent seasons. Uh, mm-hmm. their pitching staff has actually been fairly good. And Cole Reagan seems to be the newest beneficiary of that. Uh, man, he's playing, who is it that he's playing on Saturday? Uh, they are playing the Cardinals Cardinals beatable lineup. I, I hate to say that. Cause I know some people are big fans of the St. Louis Cardinals, but uh, Reagan's is a big strikeout guy. The Cardinals actually strike out quite a bit, so he could be in line for another eight, nine, ten strikeout game. Is he going to get a quality start again? I think the Cardinals could put up four against him, but six innings, mm-hmm. four and runs with nine strikeouts is is a legitimate option for Reagan's on Saturday. And I think if you're streaming, I think that's the kind of start that you look for. Yeah, Reagan's. I was going to put in my. Uh two start pitcher article for S- for SGPN on on a Sunday but I didn't want to just in case you know he, he got blown up but no he <laughs> 11 strikeouts eight strikeouts in the start before that since you know he's he was traded to uh Kansas City in was it in that um was it for Chapman deal possibly I think it was for I Chapman so. yeah and yeah he, he's now back to being a starter and, and he's showing what he can do so you know, the Cardinals, I think, are are uh, tough against left-handed pitchers, or at least uh, I would imagine so, um, with Goldschmidt, Arenado there. I'm going to try to look up their batting average against uh, left-handed pitchers. That, that's that's not uh, – that's players there. But, yeah, I, I think Reagans is, is a good guy to look at for Saturday. Uh, and I know it's not a pitching option for Saturday, but – uh, a good thing to target on Saturday is starting Mariners bats again. I promise I, this one's not like a biased, like, Oh, I'm talking about the Mariners again. This one, like there's legitimate reasoning for it. Uh, the Mariners are facing Cole Irvin on Saturday uh, back in 2021 in Irvin's first start against Seattle. They hit him around a little bit and he said something along the lines of a uh, team like the Seattle Mariners shouldn't be putting up. 10 hits against a pitcher like me or anyone he's uh, against me then, or anyone or anyone. Yeah. And since then Cole Irvin is 0 six with an eight, four, two ERA against the Seattle Mariners. Uh, it, it seems to be like a little bit of like revenge every time Seattle plays him for making that stupid comment that he made. Uh, and that is who Seattle faces on Saturday. So obviously you don't need me to tell you to start George Kirby. If you have him on your, in your line, uh, your fantasy lineup, you're going to be starting George Kirby. But Mariners' bats become even more useful, especially the guys that have been around for a few years. Uh, somebody like a Cal Raleigh becomes very useful. Somebody like a Ty France, who's kind of struggled this year, becomes very useful. Somebody like a J.P. Crawford, who is still available on a decent amount of waiver wires, becomes very useful. And I would like to say J.P. Crawford, I gave him shit a little while ago. 
he is so fucking good this year, dude. Like so good. He's got double digit home runs for the first time yeah. ever. So many clutch hits, but like guys like him became very usable. I think the whole Mariners lineup, we may put up fuck 10 hits. We might put up 10 runs against him on Saturday. So that is something you should be targeting because for whatever reason, he made that dumbass comment and the Mariners actually weren't a big fan of it. And they just play a little extra hard against Cole Irvin every time they face off. Yeah, I want to clarify a few things in the chat here. Um, Austin Gomber is starting at on the road against the Dodgers um, on Friday night. The Dodgers have not done well against Gomber because they haven't played against him this year yet. So uh, Gomber, I believe, has been has been pretty good overall. I'm looking up his splits here. On the road, he has a 3.59 ERA opposed to a 6.82 ERA at home. So, yeah, I think Gomber is still a pretty good pretty good option for Friday night. And another pretty good option is to hit that subscribe button Ooh. if you are watching on YouTube, uh, hitting that like and follow button on whatever podcast feed you listen to. And if you click the little auto download button, that would make my heart very happy as well. The biggest way for us to continue to grow as a podcast is to get those subscribes and the likes and the follows. And I promise you, I don't enjoy asking people to subscribe and hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Not a big fan of that, but that realistically is the biggest way for us to grow. Uh, it allows us to get seen by more people and put out into the world more. We are charting all over the world, which I still love to say never gets old. And that will help us continue to go beyond that. Uh, so if you guys like what you hear, hit like, hit follow. We're on uh, Twitter at Fake Baseball, YouTube Fake Baseball Money, uh, TikTok Fake Baseball Money, Instagram Fake Baseball Money. We're on Facebook. If you just search Baseball Money is Fake, we are live right there right now. So what up, everybody from the Facebook live? Yeah, we are everywhere. Uh, and if you guys would like to follow me, I am on Twitter at Balake, B-U-H-H-L-O-C-K-A-Y-E. And you can follow me on Twitter at R Gilbert S-O-P. And we'll catch you guys next time. See ya. See ya.